You're listening to a Big Finish production. Big Finish present Doctor Who Short Trips Mission Improbable by Chris Wing Read by Stephen Critchlow The holding cell by Evelyn Smythe's reckoning was one of the more hospitable ones she'd had the pleasure of residing in. The sort she imagined that was previously frequented by political prisoners. People who the lawmakers were technically required to hold, but none of the jailers actually wanted to see come to harm. Certainly not one for suspected murderers or career swindlers. Evelyn wondered then what she herself was considered to be as she looked around the confined area. Half of the room, the half she was currently held in, was furnished comfortably. A comfy armchair, a footrest, a coffee table, even a warm fire. She could quite imagine this being a kind of house arrest, if not for the other half of the room. Her carpeted portion was homely, but on the other side of the bars, the room was concreted, cold and grey. A foreboding steel door stood in the centre of the opposing wall, and a tall guard, covered head to foot in obsidian black armour, stood beside it, a faceless helmet obscuring his features. Evelyn shuffled in her comfy armchair and was about to say something to this implacably still figure when a sonorous clanging announced the arrival of a visitor. The guard efficiently moved to the door, pulled open a small shutter at head height, and just as quickly closed it again before unlocking the door and opening it. A uniformed man marched through, his features determined. Evelyn sat forward as he approached the bars, the guard closing the door again. She did not rise. Evelyn Smythe, the man began, his tone clipped. Mr... Evelyn reciprocated, her tone relaxed and innocuous. Captain Gaines, he completed for her. You have been causing us quite a bit of trouble. Have I? Evelyn replied with faux innocence. Little old me, she chuckled. But I'm just an old lady with a dicky ticker. Gaines' features did not move. Be that as it may, he responded. You've been detained here for your part in the treasonous rebellion on the mainland. Well, that's very kind of you, of course. Putting me into a comfy little place like this, but... I can assure you that I couldn't possibly be part of any such, uh, what was it, rebellion? Evelyn made a fuss of shuffling uncomfortably in her seat, shifting the tartan lap blanket that lay across her legs. My varicose veins played terrible havoc with my movement. This seemed to affect an almost imperceptible twitch in Gaines. Evelyn suspected that he didn't even know that he did it. Regardless, he continued his tone formal and swift. There is footage of yourself involved with the movement. Your actions have been recorded, and that of your accomplice, the Doctor. Evelyn was unfazed. The Doctor? Her bemusement was expert level. No, I don't think I know that name. Doctor... let me see. Doctor, is it? (laughs) What does he do? 
She almost grinned when she noticed a flicker in Gaines' neck. In all her years, she had never seen that actually occur, and had wondered if it was just a device used in books to describe how cross a person was getting. Gaines' regulation tight tunic was indeed drawn close to his neck. Even so, Evelyn knew she could get under his skin. Mrs. Smythe. Doctor. <sighs> Doctor Smythe. Your demeanour seems to betray a degree of confidence that is uncommon for a person in such a position as you are indeed in. Gaines allowed himself a brief pace to the other end of the bars and back to his original position. Arms rested behind his back. Strutting? Evelyn considered with a figurative roll of her eyes. Your position being, Gaines continued, a degree of enjoyment beginning to ooze into his manner, one of terminal finality. You see, the movement, in its treasonous acts, has forced a state of defence that allows this government to forego normal legal proceedings. Any and all violators of this now military situation are subject to swift and final retribution. Oh, for goodness sake, man, Evelyn snapped. Get on with it, I haven't got all day. This allowed Gaines a small smile of satisfaction. Indeed not. You have much less than a day, I'm afraid. You have been found guilty of inciting civil unrest, political opposition, and inspiring innocence towards disruption of government. To this end, you are labeled a civil terrorist and, under military rule, are subject to capital punishment on the morrow. Upon finishing his speech, Gaines locked eyes with Evelyn, and she, unflinchingly, met his with a steel of her own. I don't recall having a trial, Evelyn told him. I know I'm getting on, but I think I would have remembered. But this is no longer peace time, Gaines pointed out, and your crimes negate such a drawn-out process. It is our duty to the populace that such a threat to our society is nipped in the bud as swiftly as possible. Therefore, you were tried an hour ago in my office via video call with the governor. The doctor will steal me away from here long before the morning, Mr. Gaines, she said firmly. Gaines' self-satisfied grin did not falter. And how, pray tell, could he possibly do that? Hmm? This prison is located 30 miles from the mainland. We have cameras and sensors covering the grounds as well as the shore. Have you noticed how he seems to be in more than one place at a time? On your CCTVs? Evelyn leaned forward, almost conspiratorially. He has a machine. A wonderful machine that allows him to travel instantaneously from one spot to the other. When you are out of the room, he will appear just like that. Evelyn clicked her fingers and whisked me right out from under your weaselly nose. As the doctor plummeted at 95 miles per hour in freefall, 14,000 feet above the prison, he wondered how he ever got himself into this mess. Come on, old girl, I know you can do it. The TARDIS was currently not doing it. After hearing of Evelyn's arrest and hearing from his new friends what happened to their ilk at the offshore prison, the doctor took to the TARDIS to attempt a rescue. On a few separate occasions during this coup, the doctor had managed a few short hops, 
to allow him and his fellows to attempt to thwart the overseers. Now, of course, he couldn't manage any such precision if he tried, and he had tried. Evelyn had observed vocally how his abilities in steering his temporal vehicle were patchy at best, and despite his hopes that he had probably begun to get a hang of things, it appeared that this was definitely not the case at all. Indeed, it was probably best to concede that sometimes he could fly her, and sometimes he could not. Well, had trouble. Well, encountered complication. He had had two attempts already. The first found him a few centuries in the past. His exiting the TARDIS found the Doctor looking over at a barren rock across the waves, with no hint of concrete in sight, let alone any building. On his second attempt, he found himself hundreds of feet up in the air. Undeterred, the Doctor tried a third time. He rushed around the console, making minor adjustments, his tongue just resting between his pursed lips. He prodded one more button and paused, watching the time rotor move grandly and then almost instantly stop. A short trip indeed. He then turned his attention to the view screen flicking the activation switch beside him without even needing to see it. The white panel slid to one side and revealed a wondrous seascape. The doctor barely contained the compulsion to fume, balling his hands into fists and then spreading his fingers wide in momentary frustration. And there was a time when he probably would have thumped the console at this point. No more, though. Evelyn had effected a change in him that ensured his frustrations had focus. For the love of Russ, he protested audibly. I was better off up in the sky. The thought crossed his face like a silent eureka, and he turned back to the console to locate the fast return switch. Now, where was it these days? The doctor snapped from his brief reverie, realizing that very soon he would need to pull the lever of the parachute that was now strapped to his back. He had had it stored away from a number of regenerations ago whilst exiled on Earth and wasn't quite sure how he hadn't used it until now. It was also way too late to wonder if it was past its sell-by date. And so, with the confidence of an experienced skydiver, the Doctor pulled on the cord. Nothing happened. Gaines raised an eyebrow in incredulity at Evelyn's claim. Your doctor will find such an endeavor quite difficult, he countered, if he bypasses our radar when crossing the waters, and if he miraculously makes it to the grounds without the cameras spotting him. Not only are the fences all electrified, but there are also painstakingly regular patrols of the interior grounds. The doors to any part of the building are securely held and guarded. The sewage tunnels are also meshed and monitored. I'm afraid that in attempting to gain entry to this prison, he will be picked up in seconds and detained. With our state-of-the-art military-grade security, he really has no chance. Evelyn looked Gaines up and down derisively and scoffed. Well, she retorted with an unimpressed manner. That is all child's play to the Doctor. The Doctor is a technological genius, an inventor extraordinaire. He almost certainly has an electronic device that can easily put pay to your supposed wonders of technology. 
A localizing of electricity, a burning out of electronic locks, a squeal that sends any hound into a manic dash. The doctor wants for nothing with such an advanced piece of kit. I'll have you know. The doctor really wished he still had a sonic screwdriver. It was much more preferable to a parachute. Indeed, if he had got around to making a new one, he'd probably not need to skydive into a prison. The doctor had landed, not without a modicum of surprise at his own fortune, on top of one of the taller buildings, one which had a building top door. After dusting himself down, rolling up a treacherous parachute whose punctuality rivaled his own, and taking a breather after his tumble, the doctor tested the door. He had been somewhat looking forward to testing his metal and a set of lockpicks from Marie Antoinette against a much outwitted lock, but, as luck would have it, the handle turned and the door opened. Why, after all, have extra security on the safest door in the building? Still not certain that it wasn't a trap, whilst he knew the movement had no aerial capacity, it was still odd that a tyrannical power would not be paranoid enough to cover all bases. Literally. But still. The doctor decided not to look a gift horse in the mouth. He gingerly peered around and saw a stairwell leading down towards a further staircase. Peering over the handrail, he noticed how the stairs went all the way to the bottom. The best place to start searching for cells was as low as possible in his wealth of experience. The doctor set off. Descending 15 flights of steps was notably easier than climbing them, the doctor observed, as he reached the bottom floor. He did not relish the notion of going back up them, and, he noted equally, Evelyn wouldn't either. He allowed himself the notion that he'd just have to cause the right amount of chaos for the pair of them to simply stroll out. He found himself out in a large grey corridor. Nothing out of the ordinary, he sighed. Considering the level of technological advancement of this place, the doctor had a degree of certainty over what to expect. So the first thing he did was find the nearest store cupboard. The overalls he discovered there were pretty much his size, something which, privately, made him raise his eyebrows. He wondered how long it would be before his luck ran out, or whether it really was his innate ingenuity that was helping him along. Anyway, this would do. It was a plain enough solid grey overall with black mesh hairnet. There was a wheeled bucket with some kind of disinfectant in it, along with a weighty mop too. Upon struggling into the garb, the doctor glanced into a thin head-height mirror, with an old sticker on it saying, You don't have to be mad to work here, but... Although the rest had been worn away. The doctor wondered what the rest had said. Psychological assessment was very important in the workplace, he'd always thought. He looked quite the part, he admitted. He almost wouldn't recognise himself. For the second time in one day, he wondered why he didn't do more of this, as he did in prior incarnations. He even thought he had just the accessory in his pocket to finish the ensemble off. Already, the doctor stepped from the cleaning room, wheeled bucket in tow, and walked straight into the path of two hulking security men on patrol. Oi! Watch where you're going, what admonished, towering over even the doctor. I thought your shift started later. The doctor looked at them quizzically. 
Here, you're not Carlos. The second slightly wider man stepped up. Carlos Hissig, the doctor replied quickly in a poor attempt at an accent. Mexican, perhaps? He'd done it before. When was that? At agency, see? Ooh, was that Welsh? He poked at the badge that rested across his chest that said Temp Staff. The two burly men pondered for a moment and then almost simultaneously shrugged. We'll just call you Carlos as well, then, the first snickered dumbly, although he ain't got such an outrageous moustache. They passed him without further comment, intent on other things and the doctor sighed, tearing the fuzzy black strip from his lip. The door he wanted was only a few yards up, its sign saying ICT. So let's just say, Gaines mused, that this doctor magically gains entrance to the building and somehow miraculously evades the highly trained staff that patrol every floor. Even if he manages all this, he'll quickly find that the state-of-the-art monitoring systems will not allow him to get anywhere near the political prisoner suites. Our technology center is a hive of sophistication with highly accomplished people who control military-grade computer systems. Programs for controlling every aspect of this building that are way beyond the tech level of anywhere else on the planet. Piffle, Evelyn exclaimed. Your little tech boys are nothing compared to the Doctor. Not only is he not from this planet, but he's from a society so far in advance of yours that he is more a magician in as far as you could tell. She made a point of rising to her feet this time. Any computer terminal to the Doctor is like a piano to Mozart or Bach. Gaines looked into her eyes quizzically. Oh? The door had a key code locked to it. The Doctor checked his outfit for pockets, but found none, let alone anything that could be used to gain entrance. So he knocked on the door. And when the slight man with the confused look dutifully opened the door, the doctor put the heavy bucket over the man's head. He spluttered and span, disorientated and blind, muffled squawks issuing from the metal container. The doctor had little time to help as the ICT guard haired off into a corner and knocked himself out with an almighty clang by connecting sharply with the wall. The doctor winced, but had to concede that this did save him some time. He checked the poor man was safe in his stupor and that the bucket gave an airway. Then he turned his attention to the wide array of terminals and screens before him. He managed to move a cursor somewhat in order to affect a switching of cameras until he finally saw her. Evelyn, his current companion, confidant and friend. She looked so resolute, so unflappable. He also noticed with a subtle, oh, a bookcase opposite her chair and peered closer to see if he could see any titles he recognised. After all, a prison cell with books was a rarity indeed. Forcing himself to focus, the doctor shuffled quickly out of his overalls and began to turn his attention to the terminals before him. He needed to discover which programmes maintained the security measures en route to the political prisoner suite. But as soon as he lay his finger across a few buttons, the whole array of screens went blue. The doctor was about to protest when some words appeared across every monitor. Biometric identifiers failed. Please contact the administrator. The doctor noticed a desk phone to his right and, for a split second, considered doing just that. 
before reminding himself that this wasn't going to be particularly fruitful. Indeed, things would need a careful appreciation of the advanced technology before him and the problem it posed. So, he took the sopping mop and dragged the scraggy head across all the terminals. This was when the screens went black, the lights went out, the deep red emergency lighting kicked in, the door locked automatically, and the alarm sounded. The doctor looked about himself. Whoops. My dear Miss Smythe. A Dr. Smythe, thank you. Gaines sighed. Dr. Smythe, I doubt if even the doctor's alleged expertise could get through our systems. He'd begun pacing now, strutting, Evelyn noted, again. And now he was gesticulating. A pointed finger to denote his points was surely only the start of it. He couldn't possibly get through the physical systems we have in place between there and here. He pointed dramatically at the floor. We have lockdown corridors with poisonous gas should he trip the sensors. We have hallways with embedded lasers that home in on the nearest heat signal, and we have flood partitions that will depressurize the whole corridor section when an unsanctioned weight is applied. Gaines was now stood before her, only inches away from the bars himself. His tone cross and aggressive. If this super-clever, superhuman hero of yours gets this far, then explain to me exactly how we would progress any further. Not for the first time in the last 15 minutes, the doctor wished dearly that he'd removed his coat before stuffing himself unceremoniously into the air vents. Of course, that would have alerted any security on the scene what his cause of action was, so he couldn't really have left it behind. Besides, he'd grown very, very attached to it over the years. He was unsure how much progress he made in a quarter of an hour. It certainly didn't feel like much, but he knew that quietly and carefully did it. And if he could get as far as he could without risking detection in the corridors, then so be it. Of course, crawling through vents was so far past passé now, nobody would ever think of looking for him in there. He gave a nostalgic sigh. It belonged to another time, really. After some time of struggling through, stopping for a breather, pausing if he heard voices, the doctor felt he had gone far enough. He had passed three or four vent openings, and now felt he could test out the corridor that the next grate opened up into. With a degree of sophistication that he was glad no one was around to see, the doctor found himself extricating himself from a heap in another grey concrete corridor. He rose to his feet, straightened his attire, and chose a direction, subsequently passing a door that had no markings nor a handle, just a push sign, and carried on. He decided to see what lay beyond the following turn. Hopefully a door which opened out to where he wanted to be, or maybe some sort of indication as to where he wanted to be in the first place. Instead, he heard the sound of a great number of marching feet, the sound becoming almost cacophonous, as they came towards him from around the corner. He quickly scurried back along the way he came, hoping that they weren't as close as they seemed, and dived straight back through the door that he had passed only a moment ago, and into what seemed like a common room or mess. The open-plan area was not massive, enough room for a sofa, 
a kitchen behind it and a coffee table in front of it. On the wall facing the sofa was a large screen TV with some variety of midday soap playing quietly. The doctor jumped when the sofa spoke to him. He very quickly realised that he'd failed to notice the nonplussed youth sat there, or rather pretty much embedded into it. The young man insouciantly regarded the doctor as he stood there in his fashionably non-regulation blue frock coat, looking like a deer in headlights, and gave a subtle nod in greeting before turning once more unconcerned back to the programme. The doctor spied a door beyond the kitchenette and hurried for it. A small room led to what appeared to be a locker room, and he only had me a moment before he heard the band of troops enter the common room, only yards away from where he stood. He scanned the room instantly. Large lockers against the walls, two long benches in the centre of the room, and further doors to a communal shower area further over. He didn't fancy his chances either way, but the lockers were the better option. Better was probably not a word he would have chosen. The first door was locked, as was the second. The third had a guard's full-body uniform and boots inside, and the fourth was open and empty. The doctor returned to the third one and jumped in, pulling the door closed as the guards all walked in. They were a cheerful bunch, he would give them that. He could just see them through the slats in the locker door. What locker room doors didn't have slats in them? It was so incredibly useful. He could hear them as they discussed the events of their shift, cajoling each other and mimicking some person called Gaines, who had them marching about the prison, looking for someone that they didn't believe was actually there. The guards were removing their uniforms and opening the doors to store them away, and the doctor held some hope that, since this one already had one in, it was less likely to be approached. He then noticed two of them squabble over the same locker. I got this one, one said to the other. Use another one. Well, how do I know which is mine? The second protested as he reluctantly moved away. You don't know, you just pick any old one, stupid. And with that, the second man moved, at random, closer to the doctor's locker now. Well, the doctor thought, the uniform he shared it with was not in any way a suitable cover, but better than none. Maybe if the guard opened the door and saw the uniform there, he might close it quickly enough to not notice the doctor's spats protruding from the bottom. The doctor took a very deep breath. I don't think you quite understand, Evelyn said, as Gaines had turned away from her. The Doctor isn't just anybody. He isn't one of your revolutionaries. He is a one-man army. He is a power unto his own. His resourcefulness far exceeds anything you could possibly throw at him. And yet, Gaines said, turning once more toward Evelyn, he is not here. Instead, you are incarcerated. The Doctor will be here. He's always been here, Evelyn told him resolutely. I have seen him defeat despots and topple empires. I've stood by as he waltzes in and returns power to the rightful owners. He sees what is wrong in any given scenario and sets it right. You may think you are the big I am, but I can assure you, Mr. Tinpot Tyrannist, that the Doctor has not let me down yet, and he won't let me down this time. I know it, 
And you are very much mistaken, like all the others who have fallen before you. If you think you will finally be the one to stop the Doctor in his tracks. Evelyn's final sentence resonated through the concrete of the wall, lending a degree of gravitas to her words. Gaines just looked at her blankly, not smug, not aghast, nothing. As if what she had just said to him had no meaning whatsoever. And then a small, self-assured smile grew across his lips. It revolted Evelyn. The thing is, Dr. Smythe, he admitted plainly, I know your doctor is here. We have been following the wake of his movements throughout the building for just over an hour. He began to strut once more, confidently, calmly. I must hand it to him. He really had got quite far. In many ways, you've been right. He had somehow eluded most of our systems and had got impressively far, in fact. He paused once more to witness carefully the change in Evelyn's face. We picked him up, not too far from here. Only a few hundred yards away, as it happened. Indeed, he was disguised as one of our guards, but his failure to secure a helmet gave him away. Gaines allowed the revelation to sink in his grin expanding in contrast to Evelyn's increasing look of dismay. No, Dr. Smythe, your would-be rescuer is locked up three units down from here, protesting his innocence even now. It'll do him no good, you see, as he will be joining you tomorrow morning for a double execution. This time it was Gaines's turn to have his words echo. He looked triumphant. Your assistance towards the movement has proved futile, and martyring the pair of you will do more damage than good to your band of revelers. And, he leaned close once more, I will be only too pleased to broadcast your final moments across the state for them all to see. He smirked at Evelyn one more time, stepped back and sighed, as if gratified at last. He pulled on his tunic, composing himself, reveling in Evelyn's silence. She won't get away with this, Evelyn whispered. Oh, I already have, Gaines responded calmly, triumphantly. He nodded to the faceless guard and turned as the guard took the door handle and opened it for him. Goodbye, Evelyn Smythe. See you on the morrow. And with that, he marched proudly from the room. You won't get away with this, Gaines, Evelyn cried, desperation in her voice. Just you wait and see. You can't do this. Gaines! Gaines! The guard pushed the door closed. Gaines was gone. Evelyn stood there for a moment and composed herself. Her demeanour changed suddenly, and she smiled a satisfied smile. She turned back to her comfy chair and collected her handbag from where it rested at the leg and, in resting the handles in the crook of her arm, straightened her shawl that covered the shoulders of her blouse. Finally, Evelyn waited by the door of her cell and looked at the guard. Well, she said to him. As if jerked from a daydream, the guard moved in response to her expectant tone and proceeded to unlock her cell door. I thought I was rather good. Evelyn smiled at the faceless man 
who subsequently removed his helmet with an eruption of curly blonde hair. I must say, Dr. Smythe, the doctor beamed at her. I was suitably impressed. I think the smug little twerp has had enough amateur dramatism to keep him happy until morning, Evelyn chuckled. As they moved toward the door that led out into the corridor, she asked, So, who is the fellow that they believe they'd caught? The doctor looked a little sheepish. Uh, on my way here, I managed to get myself into this uniform and make my way in, but I was missing the helmet. I was fortunate enough to come across one that had been left outside a toilet cubicle, only just outside this wing. I can only imagine the poor fellow was new, what with suffering the terrible faux pas of removing his helmet on duty and subsequently not being recognised as staff. Not to worry, though, Evelyn. I should unlock his cell door when we pass him. I do hope he realises where his loyalties lie, Evelyn told him as they left the room and the doctor took her arm. You needn't worry, the doctor told her assuredly. I think his eyes have been well and truly opened. Evelyn smiled, satisfied. Well, my faith in you was not misplaced, Doctor, she told him. There wasn't a single moment when I wondered if you'd forgotten all about me. My dear Evelyn, the Doctor stopped in his tracks to look her warmly in the eye. Who could ever forget you? 